Good morning, all, and thank you for joining us for a call today to walk through Altice's mobile offering and the work that we've been doing it on it over the course of the last couple of weeks. We're going to focus on the results of the Altice report. Um, we're not going to focus on the results that Altice reported on Wednesday on this call. We've been working through what happened, and we think we have a good idea of what's driving some of the issues with PTV ARPU and with broadband net ads. We're happy to share those with you offline. We haven't gotten to a final result yet. On this call, what we really want to do is focus on the wireless opportunity where we formed a very strong view. We think it's an opportunity that's not well understood by investors in general at the moment. We think Altice's mobile offering will create about $8 of value for the company. If you think the core cable business is worth $26 after disappointing results this week, which is what the market seems to be suggesting, well then the, the addition of $8 for wireless is, is a pretty considerable increase in value. And if you think the issues in the cable business are temporary and it's worth $32, which is what we thought it was before yesterday's, uh, uh, Wednesday's results, wireless still adds considerable value. And equally importantly, we think the work has uh, very co uh, important implications for Comcast and Charter, and it has equally important implications for the wireless carriers. I'm joined on the call today by my team, Spencer Kern, Phil Burnett, and Vivek Stalem. Um, they've been working really hard on all of the primary analysis that we conducted that fed into the report, and they can answer any questions you might have on the details of the methodology or the results. I'm also joined by Ethan Lacey. We're going to open up for Q&A at the end of the call. If you'd rather not ask questions on an open mic, please email questions to Ethan at ethan.lacey at newstreetresearch.com. So starting on slide two, by way of background, Altice has launched an unlimited wireless offering that's priced at $20 for their broadband customers and $30 for people that don't take broadband from Altice. They're targeting about 12 million homes, which includes 4.4 million Altice broadband homes, 4.7 million homes in their cable footprint that don't take broadband from Altice, and about 3.1 million homes that are within about 20 miles of their cable footprint. Assuming roughly 2.6 individuals per home, that suggests an addressable market of about 32 million subscribers. Altice has partnered with Sprint to launch the service. They don't have a typical MVNO with Sprint. It's closer to an infrastructure sharing agreement. Altice has deployed 19,000 small cells using their infrastructure for Sprint. In return, we believe they've secured a wholesale rate that's much lower than any other of the MVNOs in the US, including Comcast and Charter. The low wholesale rate has enabled Altice to offer service at a much more aggressive price than any other MVNO could. Finally, Altice has a roaming agreement with AT&T that ensures that Altice has access to a sound network in areas where Sprint's network is poor. Slide three, we engaged in four pieces of primary research. First, we signed up for service ourselves to test how it worked and also to learn about the sign-up process and gather information on the customer care experience. Second, we commissioned a survey of 1,000 households within Altice's 12 million household target market. The objective of the service was threefold, to determine the demand for a wireless offering from Altice at various price points, to gauge how using Sprint as a network partner might impact demand for Altice's service, to determine how a low-priced offering might boost demand for Altice's broadband product 
among those that don't take it today. We asked a lot more questions. It was a 30-question survey. But those three issues were really what we were trying to get to the heart of to figure out the impact of the wireless the, the wireless business um, at, at the price points Altis has chosen on Altis and on the broader industry. Third, we commissioned network performance data from Tutela to determine how the deployment of 19,000 small cells has improved Sprint's network and to compare the network to the others to determine how it operates on a relative basis. And finally, we conduct, conducted our own bootleg network test with four iPhones in the back of an Uber, Uber uh, driving around Manhattan and Long Island conducting 1,200 speed tests over the course of a day. We did this to try and corroborate what we were seeing in the third-party data and to get a first-hand comparison of the four networks. It wasn't at all scientifically rigorous, um, but it did deliver some interesting insights nevertheless. Slide four. We drew five key conclusions from the work. First, we think there'll be very strong demand for Altice's offering at $20 and $30. We think it could drive almost double the share of gross ads that Comcast and Charter are seeing, and they could garner that share across their entire footprint, and then some, um, as opposed to Comcast and Charter who just sell it to their broadband subscriber base. Second, Sprint's network is still challenged. The 19,000 small cells have not been a panacea. Sprint's network still lags the other national carriers in Long Island as elsewhere as well. Third, the sign-up process has teething problems. We doubt many people would have persevered as much as we did to get uh, Altice's wireless service even at $20. This is going to slow growth at the outset. In addition, we found low awareness of Altice's uh, wireless offer, awareness of Altice's wireless offering, which will also take a little bit of time to correct. Fourth, we found that the low-priced wireless offering would indeed drive additional take-up of Altice's broadband products among the, those that don't take it today. This could be one of the most important insights with profound implications for Altice, but also for Comcast and Charter if they ultimately pursued a, a similar strategy. And fifth, as we fed all of our data points that we gleaned through these analyses into our model, we arrive at a wireless business that's worth about $5 a share. The incremental broadband growth is worth about another $3 a share for a total incremental value from this wireless initiative of about $8 a share for Altice. Slide five. Conclusion number one is that demand is strong. We asked survey respondents if they were interested in taking unlimited wireless service from Altice at $45. Those that answered no were then offered the service at $40. Those that still answered no were offered the service at $35, and so on all the way down to $10. 41% of the respondents were interested in the service at $45, and 68% were interested in $20. The responses describe almost a perfectly straight demand curve, Demand was similarly strong for respondents that do not have Altice's broadband product, whether they're in the Altice cable footprint or not. Slide six, Comcast and Charter have captured a share of gross ads amongst their broadband customers of around 15%, a little bit lower for Comcast, a little bit better for Charter. Charter is still accelerating, but the jumping off point is an average of around 15%. Their unlimited offer is priced at 45. We assume that Altice would have similar share of gross ads at 45, such that their 43% of express demand translates into 15% share of gross ads for them too. We we made the same adjustments all the way along the demand curve to arrive at 27% share of gross ads at $20 for Altice's broadband households and 20 to 24% at $30 for households that don't take broadband from Altice. 
Slide seven, Altisa selling service to all nine million homes in footprint and another three million out of footprint. The bl blended share of gross ads of 24% applied to wireless decisions across 12 million homes should generate gross ads of about just over a million annually. That's the same as Comcast and Charter. Comcast is seven times the size of Altice. Imagine the growth that Comcast and Charter would generate if they adopted a similar strategy. They could triple gross ads by selling at 20 to $30 across all of the homes in their cable footprint. Slide eight, conclusion number two, the network is still challenged. The chart on the left shows Sprint's network performance in Long Island in 3Q18 and 3Q19. There's been virtually no improvement year over year. This isn't a fair test of the impact of the 19,000 small cells on Sprint's network performance though, because many of these small cells were deployed before 3Q18. Nevertheless, we would have expected some kind of improvement. The chart in the middle compares Sprint in Long Island to the other carriers, and you can see their performance still lags. The chart on the right shows Sprint's network performance in Long Island and nationally, and it's slightly worse in Long Island. This is true for the other carriers as well, by the way. Since publishing, we've been shown other third-party studies that focus on speed tests. These do show an improvement in Sprint's average network speed over the last year and over the last two years. All of the other carriers have seen improvements in network speed over those periods as well. We suspect average speed tests are not the best test of performance though. A network might deliver 100 megabits per second half of the time and one megabit per second half of the time with an average speed um, of 50 megabits per second. And that would be the same as a network that delivers 50 megabits per second 100% of the time. We strongly suspect that a network delivering 50 megabits per second 100% of the time will generate a much better uh, perception of network performance and much lower churn. And that isn't really captured in most of the speed test data that you see. The Tutela tests measure the amount of time the network performs above a certain pre predetermined threshold. And so this may be a better test for what we're trying to identify here. That said, none of the data sets we found so far are perfect. We would regard them as destructive rather than definitive. Slide nine. We asked respondents who wanted Altisa service if they would change their mind once they knew that, that Sprint was the network partner. 38% of them said they would no longer want Altisa's uh, wireless service if it was backed up by Sprint. Sprint's brand perception still isn't great. We don't think this is going to be a huge issue um, as the service is going to be branded Altisa. Few of any of the prospective subscribers will know that Sprint is the underlying network provider. Because, the network, because of the network challenges, we assume Altisa has higher churn than Comcast and Charter. We assume that Comcast and Charter will have higher churn than Verizon and AT&T because their wireless churn will be impacted by broadband churn, which is much higher. None of these dis companies disclose churn. What we're sharing on the chart here are all guesses. We, we don't know how the $20 price point will impact churn behavior though. At any price, customers may be, at, at that price, customers may be willing to accept slightly lower quality of service. We actually saw this with T-Mobile 10 years ago before their reincarnation. There was a period when they had the worst network performance by a lot and the highest customer satisfaction because their service was cheap and customers were making a conscious trade-off for price over quality. Slide 10, conclusion number three, Altis has work to do on the sign-up process as well. Phil on my team was tasked with signing up for service. It required an on odyssey 
to the nether regions of Brooklyn, well beyond the reaches of the New York subway system. I'll ask him to step in and speak briefly about his experience. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Jonathan. In short, the online sign-up process itself is easy as long as nothing goes wrong. After filling out forms online and paying a $10 activation fee, I was told I received notification when my SIM card shipped. But having not received any such word many hours later, I went to the website and found an error message saying that Altice had failed to partition my line and that I should contact a live agent for further assistance. The only customer support available, though, is a virtual agent you can message with online. Unfortunately, the agent was unsure what my error message meant and repeatedly said the only solution was to visit an online or to visit an Altice store. So that's what I did. The nearest one in Manhattan, though, is an Optimum store that's a 20-minute walk from the very last stop on the number two subway line, way out in Brooklyn. The Optimum store clerk I worked with there had never signed up a non-Optimum customer for Altice no Mobile, but she was confident she could fix the error I had triggered when I signed up online. She couldn't, and 45 minutes later, the store manager had to step in and restart the entire process. So finally, after several hours spent in total between sign-up and travel, I had a usable Altice phone. I think Altice will work out the kinks in onboarding customers, but in my experience, the sign-up process is not yet seamless. With that, I'll turn it back over to you, Jonathan. Thanks, Phil. And so what Phil's experience tells you is that wireless is a difficult business. The training up the customer care reps and store reps takes time. This is an experience that Comcast and Charter struggled through. And as a result, it's no surprise that the ramp in the wireless in the wireless products is slightly slower than Altice seems to have expected. And we actually think it'll take them well into 2020 to get to a full run rate. Slide number 11, conclusion number four, the low-priced wireless offer will drive demand for Altice's broadband product. We asked respondents who weren't Altice broadband customers whether they would be willing to take Altice broadband is if, if they received another $10 in saving per month per line. 68% of respondents said they would. Remember, if you're not an Altice broadband customer, you get wireless for $30 a line. If you sign up for Altice Broadband, that drops to $20 a line. That could generate savings of, say, $20 to $40 per month per household, depending on the number of subscribers per home. That's obviously in the context of where broadband pricing is, pretty dramatic savings. We adjusted express demand for realized demand as we did for wireless and then discounted it further to be conservative. And we still ended up with a robust pull through of broadband subscribers. Slide number 12, Altice was adding about 100,000 broadband subscribers a year when we published our report, which was before Wednesday's results. Let's assume that that's still a good run rate for 2020. Our conservative case suggests wireless could boost broadband ads by 40%. This would push terminal penetration for broadband in our model by 200 basis points to 52%, and we could very well be underestimating the pull-through effect here. Slide 13. Conclusion number five, wireless is worth $8 a share for Altice. We value the wireless business. Hi there, I'm sorry, I believe we, um, our line just dropped. Um, we are on slide 13, conclusion number five. Wireless is worth $8 a share for Altice. We value the wireless business based on a DCF at $5 a share. We value the incremental broadband growth at $3 a share. 
When we published, we valued the core cable business at $34. We've since lowered that to $32 for a total value of $40 a share. The value of core cable is much more controversial than it was a week ago. For those that feel that its value is much lower, as the current stock price re reflects, wireless is an even greater boost to the, va to the underlying value. At $40 a share, based on where our model is at the moment, Altice wouldn't be expensive relative to Comcast and Charter, given the underlying growth that they would be generating in free cash flow. Slide 14. There are important implications for Comcast and Charter from this analysis. First, demand at $45 has been disappointing. We thought these companies would capture share of gross ads of 30%. It's stalled at half of that for Comcast. It's still ramping at Charter, but it doesn't seem like it's going to get anywhere near 30% at the current price. A lower price requires better economics. They can get there one of three ways. They could replicate the deal that Altice has with Sprint. This may be possible if the Sprint T-Mobile deal is bought, blocked. Um, may even be possible if the deal isn't blocked. Um, we don't think this is the route that the companies are likely to go. They could get better MVNO from one of the other carriers. Um, and finally, they could deploy their own spectrum on their infrastructure, relying on a network partner a great deal less than they do today, driving down their cost dramatically. We suspect the companies will get better MVNO deals and they're going to deploy their own spectrum in the next 12 to 24 months. The carriers are already talking about competing for the cable MVNO, um, and, and, it, and it makes sense that they would. We expect the companies to purchase and deploy CBRS spectrum, spectrum and poten potentially C-band spectrum too. The impact of better wireless economics could be profound. They would capture a much greater share in the, in, in the, wireless, pro in the wireless business. They would see a similar pull-through of, of faster broadband growth. They'd be in a position to capture share among non-broadband subs at good economics as well. They would insulate their broadband subscriber, grade, uh, subscriber base against wireless substitution and wireless broadband offers from the wireless carriers. They could also rob these companies of the resources they would need to invest in fiber to compete properly against cable. We're going to be publishing a more detailed report on these implications in due course. Slide 15, I'm going to flip quickly through the model and some of the more interesting survey questions, and then we're going to take, take your questions. Slide 16, 24% blended gross ad share should get you just over a million gross ads across the 12 million addressable homes. Slide 17, we assume a higher churn for Altice of 1.5% as we mentioned. However, we still end up with 700 to 900,000 net ads over the course of the next three years. Growth slows as churn builds. If we're wrong on the elevated churn, then ads would stay higher for longer. Slide 18, we get to almost 5 million wireless subscribers by the end of the forecast period, which is much more than the number of broadband subscribers that, not much more, but it's more than the number of broadband subscribers that Altice has today. They could see $1.7 billion in service revenue and another $900 million in equipment revenue. Slide 19, we forecast EBITDA rising to 500 million. Slide 20, we see free cash flow growing to 300 million. There's a pretty big working capital drag at the outset that we factored into our model, but the company may offset this with fact the factoring of receivables, and so the free cash flow benefit may be much greater than what we're reflecting here. Obviously, when you see the revenue that the, the company could generate, 
um, the incremental EBITDA, incremental free cash flow, it would have a pretty profound effect on the growth rates at all three levels that the company reports. Slide 21, we value the wireless business at $5 a share. Slide 22, moving on to some of the more interesting survey questions. Um, slide 23, price was the most important driver of the respondents' decisions over whom they pick for their wireless provider. Our, service, uh, our survey almost certainly skewed towards value-conscious households. They're getting paid to respond to our survey questions after all. Um, um, but the, the, the importance of price in the survey was nevertheless instructive. Reliability is by far the, most, the next most important, and speed is actually a distant third, which was something that I found surprising. Um, and it's why I'm skeptical that, it's one of the reasons why I'm skeptical that speed tests are the best measure of comparative performance for the purpose of thinking through uh, churn and choice of network provider. Slide 24, brand awareness of Altice was pretty low. It's even, it, 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 it's no different really uh, than brand awareness for Xfinity and Spectrum. And these services aren't even available for the vast majority of the respondents to our survey. Um, this will slow growth at the outset, but no doubt will correct over time. Slide 25, this tells more or less the same story. We asked this up front before presenting the idea that Altice will launch a wireless offering and there um, uh, was very low awareness for an offering or very low appetite for an offering from Altice before people were introduced to the idea that they're going to actually launch a wireless offering. Slide 26. This is the result when you tell people that Altice will launch an offer and inject price into this discussion. At $20, there's very strong demand, and it's still strong at $30 as well. Slide 27, clients often tell us that households hate their cable company so much that they'll never take a wireless offering from their cable company uh, with the subtext that households love their wireless provider so much. Um, the answer to this question suggests that this isn't really true. Of those interested at any price, uh, sorry, of those not interested at any price, only 7% were true haters of the cable company. Another 18% don't trust them for wireless, which is natural, they've never been in the business. The remaining 17% are either very quality focused, they're not really motivated by price, or they're happy and complacent with their current provider, which tells you that they're not all that motivated by price as well. Slide 28, this was worrying. Um, uh, 38% of those who, uh, who said they would take Altice Mobile said they wouldn't take it if it relied on the Sprint network. Funnily enough, 11% of those who said they wouldn't take Altice for mobile at any price said they would uh, once they found out that Sprint was the underlying provider. Uh, I suspect these are all Sprint customers. Sprint's market share is close to the same 11%. Uh, they're pr probably thinking uh, Sprint at $20 a line uh, isn't a bad deal. Same service at a lower price. Slide 29, this is the killer broadband question. 68% of those who don't have Altice broadband would take it for, an, for the extra savings. For those that wouldn't, um, the chart on the right shows what drives their decision. 10% of cord cutters um, or wireless substitutors, which is about what we think it is for the industry overall. So that was a corroborative result. 5% are true haters. They're never coming back to Altice under any circumstances. 20%, 20, sorry, 26% are price sensitive and 60% are generally apathetic.
Um, the, the appendix of the slide deck has another 35 slides that runs through a lot more of the survey questions as well as the data that we got from our own network tests and from the Tutela, the, the Tutela data. Um, and it runs through the, the wireless model in, in more detail. I'd encourage you, encourage you to whip through those and also the report to the extent that, you, that you're interested. Um, with that, I'm going to open it up for questions. Operator, could you pr please provide instructions for Q&A? And while we're building the queue, I'm going to uh, see if Ethan has any questions that have been emailed in. And remember, if you want to email a question to Ethan, it's ethan.lacy at newstreetresearch.com. Ethan, any questions on your end? Yeah, so our, our sign-up process reflected exactly what the issue is. Actually, we, the, the issue was reflected both in our sign-up process and and in the survey results, which is they, they clearly have teething problems at the outset um, that they're going to need to work through. Um, and it's, it's going to take them a while to get to their full run rate. The, the signing process, as Phil mentioned, is pretty seamless if your, um, if your situation is totally normal. Um, but the minute you run into issues or have questions, the infrastructure behind the scenes to deal with that, the customer care infrastructure and the systems behind the scenes to deal with that um, aren't uh, uh, battle-hardened and completely up to snuff at this point. The, the, there are not many LT stores. Um, the, the reps in the stores at this point um, are still not properly trained. And so the sign-up process is actually very frustrating. And I would imagine that's having a huge dampener on the pace of growth, gross ads for the company at this stage. This is something that's very normal, though. The, the, we saw exactly the same issues at Comcast and Charter, um, and Altice will no doubt work through them over time. It's going to take resources and, and time to fix. Um, the, the, the thing that showed up in the survey results, as I mentioned, was that awareness of Altice's wireless offering is still very low, and so that's going to take time to, to build as well. But undoubtedly, as Altice pushes its marketing efforts and as the onboarding process improves, we think you'll see a pretty dramatic step up in growth. We've modeled it pretty conservatively. We've got them getting to a full run rate in the fourth quarter of next year. I think they think they'll get there much quicker, but they've been surprised on the challenges with launching a wireless business in the US already. So we think it's prudent to be a little bit more conservative. The, the, what I don't think is that the overall opportunity is any less than what's reflected in the work that we've done here. Um, uh, it's really just a function of slower growth at the outset as, as, they, as, as they work through, the, through their teething problems. Just to, to add some color there, there are a couple of different ways you could analytically adjust the demand curve for um, 
for the difference between express demand and realized demand, anchoring off of where Comcast and Charter are, are today. And we took the very most conservative uh, a, a, a approach to expressing demand just because a million gross ads for a company the size of Altice is an eye-opener as it is. Um, and so the the demand for the product at $20 um, um, and also the pull-through on broadband as a function of a $20 a $20 wire, wireless offering could actually be quite a bit bigger than what we've reflected here. Um, and, and that might in turn create you know, create a an, an, an even greater bottleneck for Altice as they try and fix the onboarding pro, uh, the, the onboarding issues with a with a hot product. Um, we almost wish they'd sort of launched more slowly or battle hardened the processes and systems more behind the scenes before going live with the product because the the sheer quantum of demand um, is gonna is is gonna stress the um, the their, their infrastructure as well. Yeah, so we're not saying that the deal isn't going to be approved. We're still at fifty-fifty on the deal. We just wanted to look at this from the from the most conservative perspective, so that we didn't have to justify our view of deal odds for people looking at our analysis who thought the deal wasn't going to go through. And so we've got Altice chained to a subpar network generating churn that's higher than what we expect for the other cable companies and much higher than what we expect for the wireless companies in perpetuity. If the deal closes, the, the churn forecast that we've plugged in here is obviously too high. Altice's growth in wireless will be um, will be materially better than what we've reflected here um, on better economics as well. You actually there's sort of two ways to express it. It would be um, uh, the uh, the same growth with better economics, so better 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 EBITDA and free cash flow than we've reflected, or faster growth on the same economics. And that's that's another way in which our our um, our analysis really really is pretty conservative. We haven't assumed that Altice deploys their own small cells and spectrum. We've built our view of wireless economics on the assumption that they stay on the Sprint network with very good economics on that network because they've deployed 19,000 small cells for, for Sprint. We assume that as, as usage grows, they increase the amount that they are able to offload to Wi-Fi. Remember, we've gotten a little bit more bearish on the benefits of Wi-Fi for the other two cable companies just because it hasn't really shown up in the way that we would have expected. Altice has an advantage in that they've got core network control, and so they can control the transition on and off of Wi-Fi in, in a way that Comcast and Charter can't. And so they should be able to push traffic to Wi-Fi without giving up on network performance more effectively than Comcast and Charter can. And so we've, we've reflected that in, in, our, in, in our modeling, but we haven't assumed that Altice deploys their own small cell infrastructure and spectrum, though we think it's highly likely that they will. And we think it's even more likely that Comcast and Charter will. We think it's very likely that they will pick up CBRS licenses 
and deploy CBRS spectrum on their infrastructure in a very similar fashion to what Altice has done with, with Sprint. And I, th I think that's going to drive a profound shift in the economics of the product for Comcast and Charter, which will get them economics the same as or better than what we're reflecting for Altice here, which will put them in a position to be much more disruptive in the wireless business than they've been up until now. And, and that's something that we, we think is really critical to highlight in the context of this work. It's very exciting that there's $8 of an incremental value here for Altice. There's a decent portion of our customer of our customer base that can't invest in Altice for one reason or another. They should be going through this work to look at what the implications of a truly disruptive wireless offering could be for Comcast and Charter. It's really profound, and it's profound for the rest of the wireless industry as well. Of course, if if Altice does deploy infrastructure um, in conjunction with the other cable companies, they absolutely should. They would end up with better uh, economics than what we've reflected here. So we've got service margins for Altice rising to close to 30% um, over time, overall margins uh, in, in, the, in, in the low 20s. If they were to deploy their own infrastructure and reduce their reliance on Sprint and AT&T even more, their economics could be substantially better than that. You'd see them with something close to um, owner's economics, the kind of margins that the, um, that the wireless guys enjoy potentially. They haven't because it's not really feasible on the deal that they've got with Verizon at the moment. The you know, investors have been furious with these companies for the losses they've generated in their wireless business with decent but not spectacular growth with pricing at around $45. Remember, the faster they grow, the greater it depresses free cash flow in the near term. So if they produced significantly greater growth at a much lower price point on the economics they have with Verizon, the drag on near-term free cash flow would have been enormous and the, the market would have been beside itself. Um, and so it just isn't feasible. And that's why we think it's critical for the cable companies to get better economics on a wireless product. The, the benefits from being able to offer a cheap wireless product are just too important and too material to ignore. And we think they're going to get there two ways. They're going to get a better MDNO than they have today, either with Verizon or what, with one of the other carriers. We know if the deal doesn't go through, Sprint is a, a very willing partner. Um, we think it, it's unlikely that the cable companies would choose to, to partner with Sprint in their current incarnation. Um, um, but they, they, they are a bidder for the cable company's business nevertheless. And obviously, you know, there's a price at which they can't, they, they can't ignore it. Uh, AT&T has said they would be very interested in taking the cable MVNO, and they've suggested that they'd be a much better partner for cable than Verizon, given all of the capacity that they've got, that they've just deployed. They've just increased their network capacity by 60%. Dish has said that they would be a great partner for the cable companies once they've launched their wireless business, and, and they absolutely would. Um, and, and so we're almost certainly going to see MVNO terms improve for the cable company. But I don't think they can get the kind of economics that 
were that, that would really make this product compelling by just getting better MVNO terms out of AT&T or better MVNO terms out of Verizon. And Dish's network is still a number of years off. Um, so I, I think what they need to do is deploy deploy Spectrum themselves. Both companies have now said they've been doing extensive testing on C-band and CBRS as well as other bands. It's very likely, in my view, that they'll pick up CBRS licenses and deploy them. And as, as we've seen with the Sprint Altice experience, it's not an expensive proposition either from a CapEx perspective or an OpEx perspective if you're leveraging your own infrastructure the way, the, the, the way that Sprint and Altice have done. So it's that's what we think will ultimately put the cable the, the the other cable companies in the position to offer the kind of pricing that we're seeing from Altice today. Uh, so yes and no. So f first of all, we actually haven't done the same testing on Comcast and Charter as we have on Altice. We had the, the benefit of, of living in the Altice footprint, and so it was much easier for us to test. We're in the process of actually running through all of that now. So we're, we've commissioned the same surveys for Comcast and Altice, uh, so Comcast and Charter. We're getting the same network testing data on, on their footprints, and we'll go through the same uh, uh, store tests as well. The, 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 there is a difference today, though, in, in that Comcast has been in the business for a year and that Charter has been in the business, uh, sorry, Comcast has been in the business for two years, Charter for a year. If you remember, we started writing about the prospect of these companies getting into the wireless business about two years before they actually did. They went through the process in a much slower, more methodical fashion than Altice did. It took them an agonizing, what was for us an agonizingly long time. And they still ran into issues when they launched the service. If you remember, there were horror stories of of truckloads of iPhones getting hijacked by crime syndicates um, and all, all sorts of other crazy stories that nobody had, had ever dreamt of when they, when they were initially putting the business model together. And, and so the reality is, and, and, and we've heard sort of abundant stories of this now, it's just a, it's a, this is a difficult business to launch. It's not, it's not the same as cable. Um, you can't perfectly leverage all of your customer care and, and sales infrastructure for cable to get into the wireless business. It's actually a very complex, uh, complex business. And so it takes time to build up the systems, train the customer care, um, the, the, the customer care people. One of the problems we suspect Altice faces in doing this is that they're operating, operating with 45% EBITDA margins. And that means that everything in the organization is much leaner than it is for Comcast and Charter. Um, and so the, that's going to be an, an issue for them as they deal with improving the onboarding and customer care experience in the context of a product that's already in the market. Um, I, I would imagine that the the people running the wireless business for Altice uh, are not having a, comfortab a, a comfortable time right now. They're having sleepless nights. They're aging quickly. Um, they're uh, running like crazy to put the infrastructure systems and training underneath the product that they just launched so that they can um, have a better customer experience for people signing up. 
Yeah, that's a really important question, and I'm thrilled that somebody asked it because I didn't think to address it up front. So we do not believe in the benefits of bundling on churn. We do not think that having more products from a single provider results in lower churn. We've heard virtually every carrier on the planet say exactly the opposite for a decade, but not one of them can produce data that, show, that, that, actually, that actually supports that. We think what, what carriers observe when they see lower churn for multi-product customers is, is merely selection bias. Happy customers take more products, not more products drives happy customers. What drives the incremental take up of broadband here is, is one thing, it's price, it's incremental savings. So if you said you liked Altice's wireless product at $30, you were interested in taking it and you're not a broadband customer, and we say to you, well, would you take broadband too if wireless was $20? They're saying yes, not because of the convenience of getting things on one bill, because an incremental $10 a month in savings on a wireless product that's already really cheap is really material. And when you think of it in the context of a three-person household, $30 in savings on the wireless plan suddenly makes the, the broadband product look um, incredibly cheap or the bundle of services together look incredibly cheap. So the, the pull-through effect here in, is entirely driven by, um, um, by the fact that you get an incremental savings off of an already cheap service if you, if you take the product. The way that Comcast and Charter have positioned it, they hope to get a, um, a pull-through effect on broadband as well. Both of them have said that they think they are getting a pull-through in broadband. It's pr pr difficult to pinpoint exactly what the magnitude is. The way they've done it is said, well, you can only, be, you can only get this product if you take, uh, uh, you, you can only get our wireless product if you take our broadband product too. And the wireless product at $45 for unlimited is sort of compelling, but it's not incredibly compelling. The savings are better if you take a, 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 a mix of buy the gig from Comcast and Charter as well as the, as well as the, the unlimited offer at $45. But it doesn't jump off the page at, at, at you in the way that $30 for wireless does, $20 if you take our broadband product. And so I, we think the, the way that Altice has structured their offering is actually going to have a much bigger impact on broadband pull-through than what we've, what we've seen for Comcast and Charter. So it's, it's for two reasons. It's A, because of the magnitude of the discount you get, but B, because of how they've structured the offering, where they'll give you a, a, a really compelling product at $30 for unlimited if you're not a broadband product, and then even greater savings if you are a broadband product. I think that structuring actually augments the pull-through effect. We, we think it's unequivocally positive in that it gives cable uh, the cable companies potentially a much better partner with much better network economics than they could in the, in the context of an industry that doesn't have dish so if you remember from the from the big report that we put out on dish and it's a it's an important report i think it's one of the most important reports we published in a while because it changed the way we thought about network economics in general it gave us a very different perspective of how 
the how 5G could drive disruptive cost structure uh, for a new greenfield entrant and what that that could ultimately do to network economics in in wireless in general so the the if you think of the complementarity between dish and the cable companies it's obvious dish has a boatload of spectrum they need an infrastructure partner they need a, a, they, they need an anchor tenant um, cable has the infrastructure that DISH needs and could potentially be a great anchor tenant. They need Spectrum. And so the, the, the two assets were sort of made to go together. And so it, it makes, a, a, makes a lot of sen sense from an, an asset, asset positioning perspective. It also makes a lot more sense for real wholesale users of a network to be dealing with somebody like DISH, who is a neutral host in the, in the wireless network capacity business, rather than Verizon, who's got 40% retail share. Um, so from, from that perspective, it, it makes a ton of sense. If DISH unleashes all of this capacity at a very low cost, the economics of the wireless business are going to get a lot worse. And that's a problem for the established incumbents. It's not a problem for the cable companies that have zero share in the wireless business today, particularly if they get to benefit from the very low network economics that we think DISH would be able to deliver. Just to, to highlight the numbers here for a second, if you go back and look at the, the work we've done on this, we thought that DISH could manufacture gigabytes at 25 cents, while Verizon, it costs Verizon a dollar to, to manufacture a, gigab a gigabyte if you assume a comparable network network loading between the two. Um, and then when you think of the, the margin that the market expects Verizon to make over and above the dollar that it costs them to manufacture a gigabyte, it's Dish and Verizon are just in very different positions from a network economics perspective. And if the cable industry gets to leverage Dish's network economics, things could get really interesting both for Dish and the cable companies. Um, operator, do we have any questions dialed in? Any last questions from you, Ethan? Great. Um, we'll wrap it up there. The whole team is available for anybody that wants to run through this analysis in more detail. And of course, um, uh, to the extent that um, any of you want to talk through our thoughts on Wednesday's results and the implication for the business, we're happy to do that too. Thanks for joining us um, on a busy Friday at the end of earnings, and I hope you all have a fantastic weekend.